America's Patriotic Songbook. For most of us, there are a handful of songs we hear that instill a sense of loyalty and pride for our country. They're played at sporting events, official government functions, or impromptu memorial performances. But why do these songs resonate with us so deeply? And what does it take to create an enduring piece of American musical culture? From your United States Air Force Band, this is The Connection Series, a podcast that examines the intersections between the military, music, and storytelling. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brooke Emery, and today, in honor of America's 243rd birthday, we discuss the stories behind some of our favorite patriotic songs, find out what it's like to create one of these songs from scratch, and speak to the author of one of our nation's enduring anthems. makes a great patriotic song? Ooh, what makes a song good? Well, first off, uh, it should be tuneful and memorable, something that's easy to sing, even if you're not a singer. Um, and the text, it needs to be vivid, full of metaphors and imagery that isn't just about where you are now, but it transcends time. That's Master Sergeant Joe Houghton. He's a member of the Air Force Band's chorus, the Singing Sergeants, and patriotic songs are pretty much his profession. That's actually why so many people don't know the Star-Spangled Banner by memory. I'm not saying it's not a great song, it's just difficult. Uh, the lyrics, they're beautiful, but you need context to understand them. You sort of need to know where Francis Scott Key was when he wrote it. Also, the range, it's nearly two octaves. Pretty challenging for a lot of folks. Maybe slightly off topic here, but do you ever get nervous when you have to perform the national anthem? Oh yeah, I still get nervous, and I have to practice the words over and over again right before I go on, probably 10, 15 times. I've seen a few of my colleagues go through that rough memory stop, but I've been very lucky I haven't had a, a issue. So let's talk about one of the patriotic songs uh, that checks all the boxes. It's one of our earliest patriotic tunes, and it's a perennial favorite today, Yankee Doodle. Uh, this was a pre-revolutionary war song, originally sung by the British military officers to mock the colonial Yankees uh, that they served with during the French and Indian War. It was written around 1755, and it made fun of the stereotype of the American soldier as a Yankee simpleton who thought he was stylish if he simply stuck a feather in his cap. But it actually became popular among the American soldiers who eventually added verses to mock the British troops. By 1781, Yankee Doodle had turned from being an insult to being a song of national pride. Another enduring historical song is the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Now that tune was originally a hymn entitled, Oh Brothers, Won't You Meet Us? And it was co-opted by war-weary Union troops during the Civil War and retitled John Brown's Body, which was a simple song that glorified the fight against slavery, but the lyrics weren't quite family-friendly. 
but then enters poet and abolitionist Julia Ward Howe, who, at the encouragement of her church's minister, took on the task of rewriting the lyrics and elevating the song while still holding on to its spirit. In February uh, 1862, the Atlantic Monthly paid Howell $5 for rights to publish her poem, and the rest is history. I still remember the specific uh, performance of this. This was years ago. We were down on the National Mall, and despite a coming storm, we continued to play the show. And uh, the sky opened it up and it started raining um, and right before this song. And Mass Sergeant Emily Wellington came out and started singing. And as she did, the sky cleared and the sun came up. That type of thing, it, it's been 10 years, but that type of thing stays with you. Absolutely. That song is still magic. And I'm always surprised at how moved people in the audience are when we play it. That's one where you can really see tears well up in people's <laughs> eyes. Moving into the early part of the 20th century, there's one songwriter that stands out from the pack. Oh, you mean George M. Cohen. That's the one. <laughs> Cohen was a titan of music during the first half of the century. He published more than 300 songs during his lifetime, including the standards Give My Regards to Broadway, The Yankee Doodle Boy, and Your Grand Old Flag. In fact, the only statue of an actor on Broadway is of George Cohan, and it was commissioned at the behest of Oscar Hammerstein in 1959. I've sung so many of his songs, and one that sticks out to me, especially serving in the military, is Over There. It's a patriotic song that was designed to galvanize American young men to enlist in the Army. The song was introduced to the public in the fall of 1917, when it was sung at the Red Cross Benefit in New York City. It would later become the most popular song during the war, with over 2 million copies sold. And it actually became popular again during the Second World War. So what's special about Over There? It's catchy. There's very few lyrics. I mean, the, the chorus, it goes, Over there, over there, Send the word, send the word over there, That the Yanks are coming, the Yanks are coming, The drums rum tumming everywhere. So it's... It's catchy. Over there, over there, send the word, send the word, over there. Let the Yanks are coming, the Yanks are coming, the drums, drums coming everywhere. So prepare, say a prayer, send the word, send the word to beware. We'll be over, we're coming over, and we won't come back till it's over, over there.
So we've talked about a few of our favorite patriotic oldies, but what if you decided to try adding your own song to the list? Well, we talked to someone who has. Hi, I am Senior Master Sergeant Matt Ashown. I am the lead guitarist and superintendent of Max Impact, uh, the United States Air Force's premier rock band, and it's great to be here. So tell me what it's like to write a patriotic song. Well, the writing process is interesting in and of itself. It's I've always likened it to fishing. You know, you can go out and cast your line and get nothing, or you can cast your line and get something. And uh, I was fortunate, I believe, with with this song, this flag. That you know, when I initially wrote it, I played it for my wife, and her reaction really uh, it just let me know that the song was something that was going to be larger than myself and and I was really lucky that way but just the writing process itself is is always one of those nebulous things you don't you don't know if you have something or if or if you don't have something and you don't really know that until you play it for somebody else and see their reaction back did you have a moment of inspiration for the song I did we had the opportunity as Max Impact to perform at the American History Museum uh, a few years ago and I had the opportunity to see the the massive flag that they have there at the museum, you know, the same flag that, you know, was flown over the Baltimore Harbor in 1814, the same one that Francis Scott Key was inspired by. And uh, when you see that flag, it, it kind of changes you in a way. You see it and you, you ask yourself, wow, what, what does that really mean? It's just, it looks like just thread, but it really means so much more than that. It has symbolic meanings and, and deeper meanings, and that inspired me to write the words to, to this flag. What do you think makes a great, enduring, patriotic song? That's a great question. Um, You know, patriotic songs can be trite, if not written correctly. They can be very literal. Um, I like to write in word pictures and metaphors. And I think when you ask people questions within the songs about how they feel about something instead of telling them how to feel, I feel that's a stronger um, stronger place to stand than saying to them, hey, you're going to feel this way. Like, for example, the words to this flag, uh, the beginning, uh, does it make you feel the way I feel when it dances in the sky? So you're asking someone a question instead of saying, hey, this is great. You got to love the flag or anything very literal. So I try to speak more in metaphors in word pictures. And I think that is much more effective as a songwriter. Does it make you feel Place your hand against your heart. Do you know the reason why? Is it just some colored thread from a bone? Or does it make you think about the ones who sacrificed it all? I think the best thing for me as a songwriter, it's always it's always a proud moment to stand at the end of a performance or end of performing a song that you've written and someone says, hey, this was written by this person. And you and you look out and you can see the audience and people you know, are, are emotionally moved by what you have created and what you've written. And you realize that at that moment that what you've created is bigger than yourself personally. It's become this thing that people have, um, have absorbed and made it their own. And they've, they were able to form thoughts on their own 
irrespective of what I thought about what I was writing at the time. So that's a very powerful moment for any individual to see that, to see people react emotionally to what you've written. And, it, and it's an emotional moment for, for me as a writer when I see people like that. For me, it, it has to have an emotional element to it, and it has to be deeper than just literally saying, hey, I love the country. You know, there's more to it than that. It's like, what does it really mean to you? You know, and there's another part in the song where it says, um, they can tear it all down to the ground, meaning all these symbols, everything can be torn down to the ground because at its root, it's all about what we feel and what about freedom and how we treat each other as people. It's not about the symbol, but what can we do when we look at that symbol to say, are we unified as a people, you know? Like how do we tef- how do we define it together in- individually and together? How do we define that symbol? Senior Master Sergeant Matt Ashion, thank you so much. You can check out the video to this flag on YouTube. Simply type it into the search engine or check out our USAF Band YouTube channel. Of all the patriotic songs written in the last 50 years, there's one that towers above the rest. It was released in 1984 to modest success, reaching number seven on the country charts, but took on a life of its own in the decades following. Hello. Hello, Mr. Greenwood. Yes. Hi, this is Master Sergeant Brooke Emery from the United States Air Force Band calling you. Hi, how are you? No one modern song has been woven into the fabric of American culture quite like Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA. If tomorrow all the things were gone I'd work for all my life And I had to start again With just my children and my wife That particular song was not ever meant to be a single um, and that's important because if you identify a single for radio, they play it. If you don't, it's just a song on an album cut, and you may never get it out to radio. And the only people who would buy it are your very serious fans that buy the entire album in those days. Now it's a CD. Right. So I, uh, I was surprised when Universal actually made the call to uh, to release God Bless USA as a single uh, in 1984. It was Song of the Year in 1985 at the CMA in Nashville. And um, so my intentions were, after the song was released, to uh, do all I could to uh, to support it, of course, uh, which included performance at the White House for the military, and I did USO tours regularly during those first 20 years. I'm actually surprised that they didn't want to release it as a single. It's, you know, it's so singable. Well, it wasn't them that, when I say them... Um, from our perspective in Nashville, where we make country music, it wasn't following the lines of what I was known for. And the first five or six, eight songs that we released were more about, uh, they were ballads mostly. Um, all were about 
hurting relationships or or very personal songs, USA would, would have been a quite big departure. And when Universal finally said in 1983, 84, if we want this song to be the single release, it wouldn't have been my choice. So I compliment Universal MCA on uh, suggesting that and eventually releasing it as a single. It wouldn't have been, uh, it wouldn't have been my call. Well, there's pride in every American heart And it's time we stand and say That I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know The words and lyrics were meant to be timeless. Uh, it also tells a slight story about my growing up, about my, my own struggle in life, because my grandparents were my guardians, and they raised me since I was like two or three. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, the first line of the song, if tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life, was about their struggle in farming and how it was uh, they were unable to, in their later years, make a living at it. And so that's what I aimed that at. And and I think people related to that because everybody has a struggle with, you know, making a living. And uh, so I, I guess that... Um, particularly because every crisis that came to America, and of course there was the Gulf War, there was Katrina, then 9-11, it was used as a different purpose. Mm-hmm. And I've sang it at military retirements. I've sang it at weddings, believe it or not. Uh, as you know, at 9-11, I sang three times, twice at Yankee Stadium, once for the Policeman Memorial at Carnegie Hall. And, uh, and, and, and when I get in that setting, whether it's the aircraft carrier somewhere or a military base somewhere outside the United States, um, there's a very reverent feeling, and I understand why people reach out for the words, I'm proud to be an American. I hadn't heard that since my father served in the Navy in World War II. Is there any one performance that stands out to you? I don't know. It's really, you know, when you ask a question like, what's your favorite? It, I just don't have one. It's hard to compare a performance on the aircraft carrier Nimitz in the Persian Gulf with a performance at the White House uh, for the president and the vice president, that's Reagan and Bush, um, to performing for five presidents at once, and I've done that twice, or um, a major coliseum with 30,000 people. I think our largest show ever was outdoors in Indianapolis at the steps uh, of the uh, Capitol on July 4th. I think I go back to 86 or 7, 1986 or 7 for that that show with 25, 30,000 people outdoors. And of course, then you can't compare it to a a sports event where if I sang it for a football team, and incidentally this year, September 16th, I'll sing Monday Night Football for the New York Jets against the Browns in New York. And that kind of event, when that comes, it's, it's a whole different animal. I mean, it is not exactly a show like... Say, for instance, when I performed with the Air Force Band at the uh, Daughters of American Revolution Hall in Washington, D.C., and I've done that twice. Uh, fabulous, you know, how the musicians are now in the military. Um, and, and they wrote my charts for me, too, by the way. Then <laughs> It was kind of cool because they wrote the charts and gave it to me. I still use those charts today when I work with orchestras. So, so overall, I mean, you know, when you look at all of the performances in different ways, I just don't have one. Have you ever performed for a predominantly non-American audience? And what's the reaction to the song when you do that? 
Um, there would be two exceptions. Uh, one was in Pakistan when I actually was on an American military base, and the Pakistani Air Force colonel and his staff were invited to our show. And they were polite and listened to everything. And, of course, the only song I sing in my show, really, uh, in that environment would have been God Bless the USA. And, and they were uh, polite mm-hmm. and stood with the Americans. I play a lot in Canada. And so when I do that, it's interesting that the Canadians, most of them, I think, all, all across the Canadian landscape, um, they uh, they adore my song. They adore God Bless USA, and and uh, and that's just you know the, whenever I play there, I always let them know how much the United States loves them as well. This big protection continent to our north, um, so we don't have the troubles there that we have on the southern border, and uh, and that the reason is is because maybe we're most, mostly alike, and so I embrace that, and and I think that's why uh, when I sing God Bless USA in Canada, there's no resistance or no ill feeling. I was actually thinking about that, that kind of because of this song, you've become somewhat of an ambassador for America. Uh, does that ever weigh on you or make you nervous? No, it's just the opposite. Uh, when my wife and, and kids, and we tour every year somewhere abroad, our two sons are now 24 and 20. And when we had taken our children years ago, I mean, when they were three, four, five, six, uh, all over Europe, uh, and Asia and, in South, and recently South America, I consider myself an ambassador for our country. And when people say, I mean, there used to be the phrase was the ugly American. Well, the ugly American was somebody who had too big an ego for themselves. <laughs> and they, um, they strutted around like, you know, we are better than you are. And, and that, that's just such a horrible image everywhere we go. And we're polite, courteous. We try to speak some of the language. We struggle for French or, you know, English. I mean, yeah, sometimes English. Um, <laughs> and South America and and Germany. And and we do our best to, you know, to get some of the local language. People just love us. I mean, they love Americans. My career does not stand in front of me in most of those environments. Um, I am not well known in anywhere except maybe England and Canada outside the United States. Um, as a country artist, I would just be one of many that people might have liked, but certainly nowhere near the popularity of, say, Johnny Cash or Chris Christopherson or Willie Nelson, the traditional artists from Nashville. My initiative for touring and recording is always to embrace and acknowledge the United States military. We have a charity that I work for in Houston, Texas, called Helping a Hero, and this next Sunday, a uh, week from Sunday, I'll be giving a home to a wounded warrior. And we've given 192 homes in 22 states in nine years to our uh, to our warriors who have been seriously wounded. The other thing is I'm making a 20-song CD of all original songs, um, all my favorites that I like, and going to release uh, in the fall. So that's a brand new project I have coming out. Wonderful. Well. Thank you again so much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Brooke, and uh, God bless the uh, military and the United States Air Force. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free.
This episode was produced by myself, along with Senior Master Sergeant Matthew Irish. Recording and editing help were provided by Senior Master Sergeants Dennis Hoffman and Frank Busso, Master Sergeant Mike Hamp, and Technical Sergeant Jim Wolfe. The executive producer of the United States Air Force Band's Connection Series is Colonel Don Schofield. <laughs>